the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. In this episode, we're going to preview the Week 11 matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington football team. Matthew Paris from the Washington Times is going to stop by. Sands is going to come in with his expert analysis on the game. And Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy Minute. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 11 preview, Cincinnati Bengals at Washington football team. First play of the game, we come out with four wide receivers and sample as the H-back. Now from left to right, you'll have Boyd all the way wide. Then you have Tate and Green on one side. Samples on the other side as the H-back, and Higgins is by himself on the right. Let's get him a little scared. The ball snapped, and we do a play that's been working for us, and also Pittsburgh used it against us. We've scored on it twice, the Higgins touchdown, and earlier in the season, the Michael Thomas touchdown. What we simply do is Tate and Green go straight, and Boyd does a little slant underneath them. 7, 8, 10-yard gain right there. First play, hello, Washington, here we are. Second play, same personnel. Same formation, just flip it. So now everyone's on the right side, and Sample and Higgins are by themselves on the left side. What we do is, we attack those linebackers, we do a tight end screen to Sample. Another big game play. Third down, we go with 11 personnel. So this is going to be Sample and Geo in the backfield with three wide receivers. And we just do a swing pass to Geo. I think all three of these plays can be very successful. I'm almost predicting a first down on each one of them. So I hope you're listening, Coach Taylor. All right, let's go over some headlines. So we waved Tack McKinley, failed physical. There's a lot of conspiracy going on. Did he fail it on purpose? People were really going after him on Twitter because he left kind of a coy message thanking the Bengals for everything we've done for his career. I don't think it was a cool move by Tack. I, I don't know what's going on in his head. Like I said, he's a little bit crazy. I was looking forward to having him on the roster. But if he's going to be like this, then you know what? We don't need him. I'm still rooting for you, Tack, but just not in Cincinnati. Our special teams unit continues to impress. I know we gave up a couple big returns last week, but we are number three in the league in special teams, so keep it up, Coach Simmons. We signed a couple cornerbacks, just waiver wire pickups. Donnie Lewis, who's a six-foot-tall cornerback, and Trey John Bandy, who's a 5'9 corner. So Bandy's more of a slot guy. Lewis is more of an outside guy. Uh, Lewis came from the Browns. Bandy came from the Steelers. So I like that. Let's get a little intel on our opponents. I don't mind taking some guys from them and integrating them into the mix. You know, we'll see if these guys break the roster. We're a little thin at corner, so you never know. They waved O'Shea Dugas, so, you know, the seesaw continues with him on the roster, off the roster, on. Just hang in there. You know, if there's any injuries, I'm sure they're going to bring you back, O'Shea. And, you know, you can never have enough offensive linemen, and you can never have enough corners. Alex Erickson was catching a lot of heat for a couple bad plays last week. I know he had the fumble. You know, he should have went down instead of fighting for an extra yard or two. He misjudged a couple punts. You know, you're not really supposed to field a punt inside the 10-yard line. He did that as well. So it was a bad game for him. Again, he's getting a lot of backlash on Twitter and Instagram. People saying, cut him. You know, you can't have that short of a leash with our guys. He's put in a lot of good seasons. He's been very, very reliable. Yeah, he had a bad game at a bad time, but it doesn't mean that you just get rid of him. You know, in life, if we make a mistake, do we want to be fired from our jobs or broken up with with our, our mates? 
you know, so have a little tolerance for Alex Erickson. He's a good guy. He is a good player. Again, I wish we used him more as a wide receiver. But if he's going to be the punt returner, you know, he'll shore things up. I'm sure he's going to bust a couple more returns. And, you know, it's like everything. When he catches 10 punts cleanly and there's no issues with him, no one says anything. You know, one mistake on a punt and everyone wants to get rid of him. So, Alex, I'm rooting for you, man. You're a Bengal and I'm with you. Geno Atkins should be back this week. I think the personal reasons were the birth of a child, so that's a very good reason to miss a game. You know, that's something in life that you really don't want to miss. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, or a couple times in a lifetime if you have a few kids. And I would do the same thing, so I don't blame you, Gino. But now let's come back strong. You're probably even a little bit healthier, a little motivated. You got that family growing, people to provide for. So uh, let's go, Gino. Straight to the Pro Bowl, straight to the Hall of Fame, baby. Injuries for the week. Joe Mixon's going to be out again. I kind of figured this was going to be a little bit of a long-term injury. And let's bear with him. It's a season that we're not necessarily going to make the playoffs, as we know. So rest up. When you're ready, come back. We're going to welcome you back. In the meantime, Bernard and Ryan are going to do just fine. T. Higgins missed practice with an illness. I don't think it's anything related to the virus, so he should be back in full form on Sunday. Mackenzie Alexander and LaShawn Sims are practicing again. Again, when guys have concussions, I just don't like to rush them back. I have a feeling that they're going to be active this week. Personally, I'd rather see people sit for at least two weeks with a concussion. But we do need these guys, don't get me wrong. And Mackenzie Alexander is one of my favorite defenders on the team. So if you guys are back and you're feeling good, let's have a good game this week against Washington. And with that said, Trey Waynes is hitting the practice field again, so we could see him at some point this season, which is also welcome. And if he's not ready this year, he's going to be with us for a couple years. So, you know, get healthy, whether it's this year, next year, we can sure use you, Trey. Offensive line, Bobby Hart's getting closer to playing, so we'll see what happens there. Alex Redmond has a bicep injury, and I know he had some issues with that arm last year and in his career, so I hope this isn't a lingering thing, and I hope he's healthy enough to play this week. And Xavier Suafilo is also practicing again, so he should be on the active roster very soon. And he'll be a welcome addition. As I said, you can't have enough offensive linemen. And speaking of the offensive line, I want to give some opinions on what I would do with the starting lineup. I say you put Jonah at left tackle, you put Spain at left guard, Hopkins at center, Redmond back in there at right guard. I know the fans are all getting on him. He did have a very bad game, but he's a mauler, and I'm on his side. And right tackle, Adenogy. You know, even if Hart comes back, Hart is nursing a knee injury, so he's not going to be 100%. And Adenogy has been absolutely great in his absence. And let's not get down on Michael Jordan. You know, he's having kind of an up-and-down season. He is getting outplayed by Spain and Redmond. So I think that maybe he is the third guard that goes into the lineup. You know, we all have depended on him to be a starter. But when you think about it, he's a fourth-round pick. So even if his career turns into being that swing guy and that backup guy, that's not a wasted pick. You know, sometimes it's hard for these late-round picks to be these elite starters. Maybe we're expecting too much out of Jordan. He's a young player. He has promise. He has potential. He's strong. So I think for this season at least, and then we'll see where he comes in next year, maybe he should be the number three guard. And possibly the number four guard, depending on Suofilo's health. All right, so I always like to touch on the Joe Burrow press conference. So this week, again, the coolness continues. You know, he's like, I feel like an adult for the first time in a long time when they talked about his beard. You know, he's he's just cool. He's interesting to listen to, and it's someone that you would want to hang out with. You know, he's got that factor about him where, you know, he's a good guy. 
And then, as far as being transparent, you know, he said, I sucked last week, and I'm not going to suck much. You know, that's confidence. That's owning up to things. He took the blame for all of it. It wasn't all his fault. Yeah, he had a bad game. I mean, who wouldn't against Pittsburgh? That's a tough defense to play against for the first time in your career. What, nine games into your career, and you're facing an elite defense? I hate to call them elite, but, you know, they are. So Joe does a good job of putting things in perspective. You know, he says, I had a bad game. You know, hopefully it's just a bad game or two a year. And I kind of believe that. Look for a bounce-back game from him this week. And then he talked about footwork, which in sports, footwork is so understated. People don't think about it sometimes. And the natural athletes just somehow have great footwork without really even trying. But it's something that you need to focus on in everything sports-related. And the fact that he's conscious of it and the fact that he said he had poor footwork in that game is very self-aware, and that's something that's going to help him improve and not make the same mistakes again. And he talked about his eyes. You know, playing a quarterback, you can't lock in on a receiver because these defenses are smart. They're looking at your eyes. They're looking where you're throwing. So you got to do a lot of look-offs. You know, you, you look left, you go right. Sometimes you look left, and then you go left. You know, you can't just look one way and and go back the other way all the time because they're going to get those tendencies as well. So footwork and eyes is something that he talked about, and those are great things that aren't just about arm strength and knowledge of the game and speed and accuracy and throwing good balls. Those are like the hidden subtleties that make you a winning quarterback or a losing quarterback. And then lastly, right after the game, they asked him about his ankle. His answer, it's fine. Two words. It's not going to give Pittsburgh the satisfaction. They didn't hurt me. Ankle? Fine. In the second press conference, they asked him, was the ankle injury affecting your footwork or affecting the way you were throwing? And he said, doesn't matter. Great answers. What, you know, some guys scramble and give like a paragraph worth of answers and, you know, you kind of don't believe any of it or they show some vulnerability or show some weakness. Two words. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Actually, that's four words, but you know what I'm saying. So what are my concerns in this game? When we're on offense, they're the number one pass defense in the NFL right now as far as yards allowed. And then I did some further research on Washington, and they're top 10 in all of these categories. Check it out. Points allowed, yards, passing TDs, TDs in general, red zone TDs, sacks, interceptions, and forced fumbles. Now, they're a 2-7 team, and they haven't been getting a lot from their offense, but that's a formidable defense. you got to watch out for these guys. That's a lot of categories to be top 10, and especially the fact that they're number one in pass defense. So it's not going to be an easy game. You think a team with seven losses, oh, you know, we have a great quarterback, we could just roll over them. But that might not be the case. You know, we're going to have to be smart and have a lot of balance offensively, which I'll go into a little bit later. On the defensive line, Montez Sweat leads the pack for them. Chase Young is coming on strong as the number two. You have Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Ryan Kerrigan coming off the bench. That's another excellent group that you have to face. We had that last week with Pittsburgh. We contained them, but then they started to give us trouble as the game went on. You know, you got to be careful with these five guys. Kendall Fuller comes in with four picks. That's dangerous. I'm not going to call him an elite corner at this point, but he's solid, and four picks is four picks. So if you're going to keep going his way, you know, you have to be very, very careful there. And Ronald Darby's pretty solid as well. So they're, they're pretty good on the perimeter, and they're pretty good up front. What are my concerns defensively? 
Terry McLaurin versus whoever's in there, whether it's LaShawn Sims or if Tony Brown starts again or Jalen Davis, that's going to be a matchup issue. So that's something to really watch out for this game. We got to give those guys help over there. Antonio Gibson's having a great year for a third round rookie. You got to watch him on the perimeter too. If we get a little sloppy and don't contain, there's going to be problems there as well. And look for him to be involved in the passing game. And then Logan Thomas, kind of a sleeper. He's in his seventh year. I I didn't even realize it. I thought he was just in the league for a couple years. He actually broke into the league in 2014. And as you see, he's been pretty pedestrian for most of his career. But this year, he's starting to have a breakout year. So it looks like Alex Smith is looking for him, which a lot of veteran quarterbacks do. You know, you find your tight end. So if we don't be careful, that could be a guy that could silently hurt us this game as well. All right, what would I do this game? If I was the coaching staff of the Bengals, how would I approach it offensively? You have to attack that weak linebacking core. And the way to do that, you throw to your tight end. You have some running back passes. Screens are going to be very effective. So that's one way to go after this defense. And then you attack the safety position. Yes, they're strong at corner, but a little bit weaker at the safety position. So how do you attack the safeties? You send a tight end right down the seam. Then you have a couple deep balls, too, to keep them honest. As long as we can protect Burrow and have a couple shots downfield, it'll keep them honest, and you might get some good results, especially Higgins going deep on those safeties. Let's go, man. And then you have to have a balanced offense as well. Again, with a defensive line this strong, you can't sit back there and throw 35, 40 times. They're going to start getting to Burrow. So you have to mix in the run game. They've been a little vulnerable against the run. So a little bit of balance between the run and the pass, and that'll open things up and keep it a pretty reasonable game offensively for us. I always like using five wide receivers. That helps neutralize the pass rush a little bit. You know, they go too deep on corner. They don't have a lot of great corners after that. So, you know, we can see our number three, number four receivers start getting some receptions. And at this point, that looks like it's going to be Green and Tate, and I have no arguments with those guys getting the ball. And then the big one, the big matchup in our favor this game Tyler Boyd against Jimmy Moreland. Let's get those guys isolated. Boyd will have a huge game. All right, so what would I do defensively if I was the coaching staff? Blitz Alex Smith. Let's get him rattled. Hey, great story, Alex. You know, I it was so tragic when he went down, and he's a very good guy, and he worked so hard to come back into the game, and I wish him nothing but luck in his career except for this game, and we got to get a few hits on him. You know, I, ho- I hope we don't injure him anymore. I don't want to see anything bad happen to him, but it's a good game to, to run some blitzes. We're not getting a lot of pressure with our front four, so let's send Von Bell a little bit. Let's get Logan Wilson and Davis Gaither blitzing, you know, some speed linebackers going after him. So I think blitzes are going to be the key. I know veteran quarterbacks can usually eat up the blitz, but he did have a traumatic injury, so that could factor in. You know, he might not necessarily be looking downfield when he's got big guys bearing down on him at full speed. Watch the perimeter on defense. Carl Lawson has not contained sometimes on the outside. He gets so crazy, he wants to go right after the quarterback, love the hustle. But stay true to your responsibilities because they'll light you up on the outside with Gibson. And this is a game more for Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither rather than Pratt and Bynes. Because Washington isn't a team that really powers you up the middle and blows you away that way. They go for that perimeter running game. So our faster linebackers might fare better in this game. And then with Terry McLaurin, Ben don't break. He's going to catch his share of passes. 
just don't let him get those big deep balls. You know, if we have to roll over Jesse Bates in his direction, you know, we were doing that last week. Bates was rolling over to the side that had Brown and Davis on it because those guys were getting eaten up, unfortunately. So same thing here. Let's find where McLaurin is, and let's make sure that we have two guys on him. Let's make sure we have him bracketed or zoned up pretty well. So that's it. What do I expect this game? I expect Burrow to have a bounce-back game. I think this is going to be a big field goal game, to tell you the truth. Just because of the strength of their defense, they don't let up a lot of touchdowns. They have a good passing D. So I think, you know, we're going to get into field position, and Randy Bullock's going to have to come through with a bunch of field goals. And the Bengals come back from Washington with a win. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Matthew Paris, beat writer for the Washington Times. All right, we're here with Matthew Paris, beat reporter for the Washington Times. Matthew, how are you today? I'm doing great. All right, so I have one quick question for you. Why is the Washington football team going to win this game? You know, I think it really starts with their defense. Um, it's kind of under, underperformed the last few weeks, but, you know, you look at the games that they've won this year, they've really controlled the opposing offensive line, and needless to say, Cincinnati's offensive line isn't the strongest out there. They give up a lot of pressure. You know, I think it really starts up front. Chase Young hasn't had a year that you would want in terms of sacks, but he just does so much for that defense. He really creates pressure. He kind of opens it up for Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat. Also, Washington's defensive line has a pretty good rotation where Ryan Kerr can come in. He has about five sacks on the year. Tim Settle has played well after Matt Ioannidis went down with an injury. You know, Washington ranks fifth in sacks. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and They've beaten Dallas and they've beaten Philadelphia. Well, the, the defensive lines really controlled the games there. And Yeah, we have some concerns about your defensive line because I know you have Sweat in there, you have Chase Young, you have Depth Kerrigan's on the, coming off the bench, and he, I, I didn't even realize he had five sacks. You know, that's a major concern for us, especially with our offensive line. Um, what about the rest of your defense? Yeah, you know, it, it's pretty solid at the back end. I think if like the Bengals were going to pull the upset, I think it would really be start because of Washington linebackers aren't very good this year. Well, they really haven't been in the last couple of years. It's an area that can be exploited in the middle of the field. And Washington has some concerns at safety right now. Um, they've already lost Landon Collins for the year due to an Achilles injury. One of the starters who was doing well for them, DeShazer Everett, he got hurt and has an ankle injury. And so they have to go back to Troy Atke, who was the safety who had started the year, but he was so bad that he got benched. And so they, they moved him there. But I think he should still be able to do enough because you look at their defense, and then on offense, things are really clicking right now. Alex Smith has been an incredible story. He threw for a career high 390 yards last week in Detroit, and he had 300 yards, he had more than 300 yards the week before that, too. So they're really kind of starting to come together, and he's distributing the ball well. He, he really seems comfortable in Scott Turner's system, much more so than he ever did under Jay Gruden. Washington's offense has been a train wreck this year, but they really have had some nice kind of pieces emerge. Uh, Terry McLaurin was a, a stud last year, and he's only continued that this year. And then um, with Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick, they've been nice role players who have kind of emerged. And Antonio Gibson, their third-round uh, rookie running back, uh, has been pretty versatile for them as well. So, you know, this is a team that is moving in the right direction in offense. And then you, you take a look at their defense, and this is one of the more winnable games on Washington's schedule that's left. Gibson kind of intrigues me. Is Matthew, do you find that it's more that he's having a good year running the ball, or is it the blocking schemes up front? Like, what do you attribute his early success to? Uh, I think it's really his ability to, to force tackle, uh, to miss tackles. 
He's still pretty raw in terms of running the ball. Obviously, he's a receiver from Memphis that is transitioning to the NFL. They moved him to running back and had a little bit of experience playing running back in college, but not that much. You know, he, he's still more of a um, east-to-west runner, not so much north-to-south, and you can really see it when he bounces outside. He's been a really pleasant surprise for them. Matthew, what do you think of the run-pass mix? How, what do you, how are you guys going to approach us as far as the ratio? You know, Scott Turner really likes to throw on early downs. You know, there, there's been some discussion here of whether he's a balanced coordinator, but they they like to use the, the short passing game as kind of a substitute for the run game. You know, they've had some weaknesses in the run game overall, but they can move the ball by just putting them in better distances on first and second down, setting up third down with, with short, quick passes. And I think that's kind of where Alex Smith is, has really helped them. Um, what about special teams? Do you think that's going to be a plus or a minus for you in this game? Well, it's been a little bit of a minus for Washington recently. Um, Dustin Hopkins is having the worst year of his career. He hasn't practiced this week with a groin injury, and he's kind of been banged up. And There was some talk of whether Washington would even look to replace him. That was kind of surprising because Hopkins has been here for five years. But, you know, it, it is if this gets into a, a game of field position, well, then that, I do think that benefits Washington because as bad as the roster is kind of overall, Hunter Tressway is – is one of the best hunters in the NFL, and he really helps them out. So, you know, I would give that edge to them. Matthew, how do people find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. And, um, yeah, you can just follow me and read my work. So, thanks for having me. Excellent talking with you. AFC North Standings. The Bengals are currently 2-6-1. They're in fourth place in the AFC North. They trail the first-place Steelers by seven games. The Steelers are 9-0, and the Ravens and Browns are both 6-3. and Now, I know I'm going to sound a little crazy, but there is a path for us to get to 500. We don't have a lot of tough games left. I mean, every game in the NFL is tough, let's be honest, but there's some very winnable games coming up. So let's take a quick look. You have the Redskins, Giants, Cowboys... Dolphins. Dolphins have a winning record. The other three teams don't. Those are all very winnable games. And then you have Pittsburgh. We know that's going to be a very tough one. And then you have the Texans and the Ravens. So if you look at it, realistically, there's a chance we could go 5-2. and two. I know you have to play the games. It's tough to win games in the NFL. We have two really tough games, and the rest of the games are going to be, you know, in between. So if you take our 2-6-1 and six and one record and add five wins to it. Just say, just humor me for a second and say we beat all five of those teams that I said. That's seven, six, and one. And then you have two games against the Ravens and the Steelers. Tall order to win those games. Hey, maybe the Ravens won't be playing any, for anything in the last week. So, you know, there's a chance we can go seven, eight, and one, eight, seven, and one. You never know. You know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I love the Bengals. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So with an eight, seven, and one record and a few things bounce our way, you know, it's not looking like a playoff season this year, as we all know. And there's a lot of teams that are 6-3 and three right now, so we're four games behind those teams. So it's going to take a lot for us to make the playoffs. But hey, let's make a good push for 500. That'll be good for everyone's esteem. The fans will love it. So with that said, we're currently 12th in the AFC and hopefully climbing up. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sands. Sands, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? All right, my friend. 
So what are you feeling about the upcoming Washington game? I think Washington has a really good front defensively, and it's going to benefit us that Matt Ioannidis is out because he was the main, well, not the main, but he was one of their best pass rushers on that front. Because you guys still have guys like uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. I think they're both first-round picks, and they're both really good run defenders, but they don't really rush the passer that well. And they're two edges, and Kerrigan is a substitute edge for them right now. That's just an embarrassment of riches to have Kerrigan come off the bench. Chase Young, the second overall pick, is a very good player. Even better than him, I think, is uh, at least right now, is Montez Sweat, their other de- their other defensive end edge player. He's the one getting back there and forcing all the forcing all the sacks. He has, I think, five of his own, and he gets a lot of pressure. And Chase Young, while I think will be an amazing talent, he doesn't have as solid of a plan when he goes to edge rush as I thought he might have already. I watched every snap he had against the first round pick, Andrew Thomas, for the Giants, and he moves all over. So he, they're both going to face off against both our tackles. He really likes to just go to uh, chop, like chopping the hands down, then bend and try to rip out. And then also he has a swipe move, but I didn't see too much of like a, a bull rush, a one-arm bull rush, like uh, pump moves. He didn't really have a big repertoire. It was like those two moves, basically. And then like a speed rush to try to just get around the edge real quick because he is a really good athlete. Montez Sweat, on the other hand, I think is a little bit more technically sound, and that's why he's a little bit better of a player right now. Now, as I said twice, I think already, Chase Young is going to probably be the better player eventually. But right now, I'd be more worried about Sweat. And I think it'll be an interesting battle for our offensive line. One, I think Jonah matches up well, especially with chase in my opinion because the thing i'd worry about jonah with is a technician that can get inside or somebody who's very long and likes to use a one-arm bull rush like carlos dunlap used to do here and chase young off of what i watched didn't really do either very well it'll be interesting what we have at right tackle if bobby hart's out again because i think we would move a denergy over there because he had a really solid game last week I made it through the third quarter on a rewatch of the coach's film, but he clamped Bud Dupree down. Bud was trying bull rush. He was trying to swipe. He was trying to chop and rip and swim. And he even tried spinning one time and nothing. Every single play was Adenji getting there, getting to his spot, and then hold, not holding him, but like blocking him, punching him, and being able to stop him in his tracks three yards, four yards from Burrow, like way out on the left side and I thought Spain on the other end did a fine job himself but he was getting all the help so he was getting the slides he was getting the tight end he was getting the running back help and we had identity on an island with a pretty good not great but pretty good pass rusher and Bud Dupree and he he shut him down so I think especially if Bobby Hart's out that he deserves a shot at right tackle see what we've got over there and he's a young guy who could improve I'm not going to say definitively that it's our right tackle of the future or anything, but I'd like to see a few games and see if we have anything over there. Defensively, also for the football team, they like to play what's old is new. They like to play that 80s bear front, which uh, basically a three technique, which is in between the guard and tackle and the B gap, a zero, which is or a one, which is over top of the center or in the A gap between the center and guard and then another three technique and that that just condenses three guys 
basically around three guys. So, And the reason that teams are doing this a lot is because of what Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and all that brought back to the NFL. and the, It made the outside zone super popular again. To combat that, they brought back the uh, 80s bear front from Buddy Ryan. <laughs> but they even go as far as uh, the old school where they have another, they have their two edges outside of, of the tackles. And then they'll walk linebackers down on onto the line as well. So they have up to a six-man surface on the line of scrimmage. And they like to blitz and stun off of that. So I thought Adenogy did a fine job and Trey did a good job. And I've said it, that Jordan is good in stunts. It's everything else, really. He's a great helper at left guard. I did think the right side struggled with stunts. So if we are stuck with uh, Spain being forced to play right tackle again or something, and Redmond had a tough game with stunts, he's been good before. He's been bad. It's a roller coaster a little bit right now, but I still think he deserves to have a shot at right guard just because he had a struggle a little bit with stunts. I mean, why not? And you could have a shorter leash, but why not send him back out there to see if he can do it this week? And then if he misses another stunt this week like he did last week, then maybe... Maybe then you'll think about making some type of switch, but I don't know if it was enough to straight bench him yet. He got beat a few times, but try to be positive about it. He's been good for the run game. So they're going to stun off of their bear look. And another thing they like to do is to get into a four-man surface. I think that a quarterback draw could be dialed up here, or maybe just a normal halfback draw if we don't want to get Burrow hit. They get really wide. Both A's and B gaps are open. They have a, a man head up with the tackle on both sides, and then another, the next edge is outside of that. And then they have linebackers, but we go empty so often that those linebackers have to spread out. Unless they just want to declare they're in zone, they're going to have to follow a wide receiver or running back tight end outside. And, I mean, that leaves a pretty open middle if you think about it. We have three guys uncovered against one linebacker possibly. That's a great look for a, for a draw. I think they have one good cornerback in Fuller, and Darby's done decent this season, although he was terrible last year for Philadelphia. I I still don't think he's a great player, but he's decent. They like to play single high a lot, so uh, that's something Burrow didn't do a great job. Last week was uh, those two high looks. They're not going to have that same look. Sometimes they mix in other stuff. Sometimes they blitz, but it's nothing too crazy. Just the bare front is what mostly intrigued me and that they have a very good front. When they're on offense, they, uh, they're they one of the teams that will play two running backs at once with both McKissick and Gibson, lately at least. They're a pretty good mix of zone and power. I think I saw a little bit more gap power stuff and pulling guards and tackles and even their center sometimes than I did zone. And when they run zone, it was almost specifically just outside zone. I think we'll be fine in the run game. We have been so far this year. I mean, the Steelers tried to run that same stuff at us last week and we shut it down. We ran a few traps at uh, Kareem and Hubbard, and they recognized, reacted, shedded the block, forced a big tackle for a loss. It was a few positives that were nice to see. And the only other thing I think about on offense, while Alex Smith doesn't throw the ball deep very often, he never has in his career, I don't know how athletic he is anymore just because of that horrific leg injury, but I still would look out for Terry McLaurin. That man is already an elite route runner in my mind, and he has a great release off of the line. He runs these routes, and he has a cornerback facing the wrong way, and he creates three or four yards of separation just 
wide-open throws for college, let alone the NFL. So it's going to be a tough cover. I think that is a guy that William Jackson doesn't struggle too much with, but if we're going to be down Mackenzie Alexander from that concussion and starting Jalen Davis and Tony Brown again, then that could be a big problem because they're not ready to face a wide receiver of that caliber. Sands, how are you feeling about the game in general? Do you think we're going to beat Washington, or what? what's your opinion on all that? I'm trying to put the last game out of my mind. I came off that high from uh, the Titans, and maybe I overrated it a little bit, giving us a 35 to 40% chance to win. Now I think I'm more in the middle of where I thought we were before the Titans game. I'll say 50-50. It's a long-winded answer to say we either win or lose. I love it. You keep bringing the great analysis, Sands. I appreciate it. How can people find you on social media? I'm at uh, Bengals underscore Sands on both Twitter and Instagram. All you guys listening out there, check this out because he's a great follow, knows so much about the game. Sans, thank you for stopping by today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Handicapper's Corner. The unofficial Bengals podcast current record is 11 wins, 15 losses, 42%. So here are my three picks for the week. The Browns minus three. At home against the Eagles, yes, I hate voting for the Browns. I'm not. I'm actually voting for them to lose the game, but I'm probably going to pick them because I think they're going to blow out the Eagles. The Patriots minus two and a half at the Texans. You never know what you're going to get with Cam Newton, but I have a feeling that they're going to win based on how they played against Baltimore. And I'm going to take the Bengals plus one and a half at Washington. I have a good feeling about this game. I really think we're going to win. And I don't really like to bet on the Bengals, but when I was going through the games, these were my three favorites. So whatever teams you decide to pick this week, I wish you luck, unless they're Washington. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how you doing today? Good, Frank. How you doing, Buck? All right, my friend. So you were over for the Bengals-Steelers game. Would you like to share some thoughts? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, disappointing. Like, we both felt... I don't understand why they like are so nervous. They look like they were playing nervous, and it showed, you know, right off the bat. Erickson, I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's uncalled for. I know the wins were tough. You know, it was the ideal situation. You know, I thought overall they played all right. The weather was affecting their offense for a while but um you know t higgins once again you know he's going to be a good one but you know he put the ball on the ground you can't give a team like the steelers extra possessions you know because of uh miscues they had pressure on burrow you know towards the end mostly towards the end of the game i wish in the beginning of that game, the weather wasn't as bad to really see how they could have attacked the Steelers better because, you know, Burrow was throwing the ball and a couple of those were were affected by the weather. But like you say, two, two people stand out that really disappointed me was, you know, A, Erickson and uh, William Jackson. I, I just felt he had a terrible game. You know, they were thin going into the game at cornerback, but and then Alexander got hurt during the game, so they were forced to play basically two guys that they picked up. So, you know, you really can't, you know, point a finger at, at those guys to say, oh, they did this. What, what are they going to do? 
you know, Roethlisberger went right at the guy, the cornerback. It is what it was, but those two players, Jackson really disappointed me. But overall, I, you know, the offensive line, I thought, played pretty well, except Redmond, too. He was another one that disappointed me. Uh, Sam's talked about their defensive line, how they do stunts and stuff, and Sam's perfectly said that same move, and Redmond failed. So, listen, the Bengals aren't in that level yet, but something they could build on. But the number one thing was, why was Burrow in that game in the fourth quarter? That's another thing. If if he would have gotten hurt, I'm sure even Mike Brown brought Zach Taylor in his office and said, listen, you can't risk this guy. And the, the, the stupid reasoning why he said he was still in that game is is asinine the key now is the game against washington they need a bounce back they need a a productive game and a win this upcoming schedule now has some weaker teams coming yes it's gonna it's gonna be a tough sale but this is an important stretch to see where this franchise is going are they affected by that loss to Pittsburgh and come out flat? But I don't think so. I don't think we're Burrow. Yeah, Tom, I agree with you. I know the season's moving along and we have a losing record, but I don't want to be a team that has like four wins and gets a top 10 draft pick. I, you know, I want to enjoy this team and I want them to win a bunch of games down the stretch. Correct, Frank. Now it's like a, you know, even though we're not going to the playoff, let's show we're middle of the pack at least. Let's show that, you know, the teams in the NFC East, we're better than them. And now with Tack feeling that physical and they had to release him, it's uh, kind of, you know, a sore subject now of, you know, was it on purpose or, or, or what? But um, it's disappointing that they can't get him there now. Hopefully mixing comes back soon. And... Um, that we can get those couple linemen that we need for next year and really uh, catapult us. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Washington football team game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Excellent music, excellent highlights, definitely something you guys got to check out. And I'd also like to thank the ZDN Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at ZDN Network on Instagram or Twitter. And Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.